much. Turn your Bibles, please, to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 2. We're looking at the seven churches in Asia, and the first one is the church of Ephesus. Someone asked me, after we finish the Summer Bible Institute, will we come back to our study in Revelation? Yes, we will. So we have six weeks break from Revelation uh, to do our Summer Bible Institute, and then it will finish up with the second week in December. Then we'll come back to our study on Revelation and continue the study in this wonderful book. And chapter 2 is the first letter to the seven churches, to the church of Ephesus, the same church the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Ephesians to. And I'd like for us to read it together. You follow along with me, read verses 1 through verse 7. Then we'll do a quick review from last week and see what, uh, where we left off from our last time together. In chapter 2, in verse 1, it says, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. He says, I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them that are evil. And thou hast tried them that say they are apostles, and are not, and hast found them liars." and has borne, has patience, and for my name's sake, has labored, and has not fainted. Nevertheless, verse 4, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove the candlestick out of his place, uh, except thou repent. But thou, but this thou hast, thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith in the churches. To him that overcometh, I will give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. All right, if you would uh, maybe take your notes out from last time with the notes in the bulletin, do a quick review of what we covered last time. We, uh, on your notes there, it would quickly go through these. We said, number one, the description of Christ. I had two descriptions in verses one. Talking about his hands, he that holds the seven stars in his right hand. In Revelation chapter uh, one, verse 20, of course, the seven stars are uh, talking about the churches. And it goes on to say his feet, verse, let it be there, who walk in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. And the seven stars, again, refer to the seven churches and the seven golden candlesticks mentioned there. But then verse uh, number two, Roman number two there, here he commends the church. He has seven commendations, seven things he commends them for. And I said last time together, I wonder if the Lord would write a letter to First Baptist Church of Land Lakes. What would he commend us for? What would he say good about us? He had only one negative thing to say about this church, but he had seven good things to say. I'll go through them quickly. We covered them already. Letter A, Christ commends them for their hard work. Uh, they known for their labor for the Lord and hard work. I believe the Lord say that about First Baptist Church. We have a lot of people in our church that work very hard and do a lot for the Lord. Letter B, their perseverance, how they continue to continue to serve the Lord. 
They would not quit, would not give up. They persevered in their faith and their service for God. Let her see their intolerance of wicked men. They hated uh, wickedness, and those who did wrong, they would not tolerate with them. Uh, letter D, their identification of false apostles. Said those that claimed to be apostles of Christ, they tried them, put them to the test, and found that they were liars. So he commended them for that. And that's one thing we should always do. When someone claims to be of God, claims to be a teacher of God, we should always put them to the test with the word of God. Letter E, their motive for serving. Their motive for serving, uh, he commended them for that. And letter F, their hatred for the deeds of the Nicolaitans. These were the seven things the Lord commended them for. Now, number, Roman number three is what we, I want a quick review there. We covered this last time. But I'd like to look at it again, their rebuke. There was one thing he said negative about this church. I don't know about you, that's pretty good to say seven good things and one negative thing. But what was the negative thing Christ had to say about the church? Look in verse four, please, again, in Revelation 2. He says, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first what? Love. love. Interesting here. He doesn't tell us what the love was. There's many differences of opinion in what that love was, but whatever the love was, they have left. They have turned left. They had laid aside the love they once possessed. The word left means to leave, to lay aside, or forsake. What do you think it is that they loved? that they have turned aside and stopped loving. Uh, let me give you probably the three most popular. There's many different uh, uh, suggestions. The first one is the love for God. The love for God. And by the way, going further, I believe that was what their love was. I'll explain to you why in a moment. But 1 John 4, 19, it says, We love him, why? Because he, he first loved us. And... Uh, they had, notice they were very hard workers. They had persevered in the work. But evidently they got so busy doing the work of the Lord, they forgot the Lord of the work. Have you ever found that to be true in your life? You get busy doing things for God that you forget to spend time with him? I've seen that many times in my life. I said, I don't have time to read my Bible. I, I'm serving the Lord. And so often that happens. Someone said the first step in backsliding is to put one service for Christ ahead of one's love for Christ. And that is so easy to do. So many people believe the love that they had left was their love for God. Interesting. Uh, when Peter, remember when Christ was arrested, Peter denied the Lord three times. And the Bible says after Christ's resurrection, he went back to his old way of living. He went back to fishing. And in chapter 21 of the book of John, that he went back to fishing and he fished all night, didn't catch anything. Remember that story? And they come to the shore, and the Lord was standing there and said, have you caught anything? He says, no. He said, cast your net on the other side. And they caught so many, they could not hardly pull in the net in. And they realized it was the Lord on the shore, and Peter jumped in and went to the shore. And the Lord had cooked some fish for them. And notice, remember what the Lord asked Peter? One problem he had that he asked him, he says, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? Now, when he said these, what was he referring to? Was he referring to the other disciples? 
or was he referring to the fishes he caught? I believe he's referring to the fishes because he went back to fishing. That was his, uh, one of his, did before he was called into the ministry. And he said, Peter, do you love me more than the fishes? And Peter says, Lord, thou knowest I love you. He said, feed my sheep. Then he asked him again, Peter, do you love me? He didn't say, do you love the Bible? He didn't say, do you love people? He said, Peter, do you love me? So Peter's problem, he left his first love for the Lord, went back to fishing. And so I believe that was the love that the Ephesians left, but that's my opinion. Another love people believe they had left was the love for the lost, for the unsaved. You remember when Peter's brother found the Messiah in John chapter 1, verse 41, it said, He first findeth his brother Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ, and he brought him unto Jesus. So the first thing that Peter's brother did was sought out Peter. He wanted Peter to know how to go to heaven and find the Messiah. So people believe the love they left was the love for the lost. The third love is very popular, is the love for the brethren, the love for Christians. In fact, in Ephesians 1.15, the Apostle Paul commended the church of Ephesus for the love for the brethren. In Ephesians 1.5, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the saints. So some people believe the love they left was love for the Lord, the love for the lost, or the love for the brethren. What do you think it was? The love for God, love for the Lord. I think that the reason is because I think you have to have that before you can have the other. Okay, it would definitely would fall in place, wouldn't it? So anyway, but I, anyway, why didn't God tell us? He left it up to us to decide. <laughs> Whatever love they once had, they left. And that was the rebuke the Lord gave this church. By the way, do you love the Lord? Has there ever been a time that you loved him more than you do now? How about, do you love the lost? Do you love winning people to Christ? Do you love witnessing? Has there ever been a time that you handed out more tracts you do now? Has there ever been a time that you used to seek more people to Christ than you do now? Have you left that first love? How about the brethren? Do you love other Christians? I think that sometimes that's the hardest to do. <laughs> How many realize some people are easy to love and some people are very difficult to love? Even Christians can be hard to love. So, uh, has there been a time you love being around God's people more than you do now? What love have you left? Maybe it's the same one, the Church of Ephesus. Now, Maybe number four. Undone, so that it would hit our hearts. We're not thinking about anything except what have I left. Yes. Yes. Very, very true. Very true. What do you think the love they left was? I'm sorry? What do you think the love lost was? I really don't know. <laughs> and, and so that's why I look at myself and say, what, what am I doing now that isn't what I was doing before? How am I different? Good point. And maybe the reason the Lord left it uh, empty for us not tell us, everybody would be different. The love that you left may not be the love that I left. And so has there ever been a time you used to do something more for God than you do now? And so what love have you left behind? And so it may be different, all of us. And so I think we need to ask the Lord that. Lord, is there something in my life that I used to do more for you than I am doing now? Have I left my first love? Number four, number four, 
Notice the exhortation, what he exhorted these believers to do. Those that had left their first love, he exhorted them to do four things. Number one, like in verse five, he said, remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works or else I will come unto thee quickly and re will remove thy candlestick out of his place except thou repent. The first exhortation to these that left the first love, he said, remember. Remember, the first word in verse five, remember therefore from whence thou art fallen. And so sometimes we need to stop and think about maybe where we have fallen and slipped away from the Lord. Remember where you fall in the first exhortation. He called upon this church who left their first love. He says, remember. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen. Let it be the second exhortation. Repent. He's mentioned twice here. The first part of the verse, and repent, and latter parts, repent. Word repent means to change one's mind to think differently, to reconsider. Reconsider what you're doing compared to what you have been doing. So he says, remember and repent. Let us see the third exhortation, repeat. Remember, repent, and repeat. He says, do the first works. Repent and do the first works. Repeat what you used to do, whatever the works you used to do that manifested your love for the Lord or for the lost or for the Christian, he says, repeat that. Sometimes the best way to get your love back for the Lord is do the things you used to do for the Lord. The best way to get love back for lost souls is start witnessing, start sharing the gospel with them. Repeat the first works. Again, it tells what the first works are, but he says, repeat them, do the first works. Do the works which flowed from my first love. And letter D, the fourth exhortation, is the word remove. Remove. He says, if you don't remember or repent and repeat, he said, remove or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place. He warned them that if they did not respond, the light of their witness in Ephesus would be extinguished. So he said he removed the candlestick. Number five, the promise. The promise. We want to conclude here the promise he made to them. Look in verse seven, please, of Ephesians chapter two, verse seven. He says, to him that overcometh, I will give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of of the paradise of God. Three questions we must ask ourselves here at this last word. Look at the verse again, the latter part of verse 7. To him that overcometh, I will give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Three questions. Who is he that overcometh? Who is he referring to? The next question. What is the tree of life? He that overcomes said, I will give to eat of the tree of life. What is the tree of life? And the third question is this, is what is the paradise of God? He said, give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So what is he that overcometh? What is the tree of life? And what is, where is the paradise of God? I'm glad you asked. Let's look at it together, okay? First of all, who is he that overcometh? Is it he that overcometh? Who is that referring to? 
I'm glad you asked. Look in 1 John, please. 1 John chapter 5, it clearly tells us on who is an overcomer. Who is he that overcometh? 1 John chapter 5. To him that overcometh. Who is the him? Who is he that overcometh? Would that apply to you? Have you, are you an overcomer? 1 John 5, look in verse 4. For whosoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our what? Faith. Look in verse 5. Who is he that overcometh the world? Read on. But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. So who is the overcomer? It's a believer. One who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So if you've trusted Christ as Savior, you fulfill that first one. Who is he that overcometh? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Whosoever is born of God. So that's the answer to that first question. The second question is, what is the tree of life? Because he that overcometh, I will give to him to eat of the tree of life. So what is the tree of life? It's mentioned twice in the Bible. It's mentioned in Genesis, and it's mentioned in Revelation. Go to Genesis now. Genesis chapter 3. What is the tree of life? Many of you will recognize this. It was in the Garden of Eden. Therefore, Adam and Eve to partake of Genesis chapter 3. And notice that, again, the promise was those who overcome, those who put their faith in Christ, he will allow us to eat of the tree of life. So Genesis chapter 3, verse 22. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man that is after his fall, he disobeyed, is become as one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take what? Also the tree of life and eat and what? Live forever. Verse 23, therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. Verse 24, and he drove out man and he placed in the east of the garden uh, of Eden cherubims with a flaming sword which turn every way to keep the way of the tree of life. It doesn't say a whole lot about it, but evidently, uh, lest they eat the tree of life, the tree of life evidently allowed them to live forever. And notice now they're in their fallen state, separated from God. So they would not eat of a tree of life and live eternally separated from God. God kicked them out. This was an act of mercy because he didn't want Adam and Eve to be eternally separated from them. So lest they eat of the tree of life, and it says, and live for how long? Forever. He removed them out of the garden. He put a cherubim, these angels at the gate there, lest they come back and eat of the garden. So basically, it was a tree, once eaten, would allow them to live forever. And he did not want them to live in an eternal state of separation, of sinfulness. He removed them. And, of course, that was an act of mercy because he wanted them to be saved and come back in fellowship with them. Now, go to the book of Revelation. The tree of life is mentioned again. 
in Revelation chapter 22, please. And this is in the uh, New Jerusalem, Revelation 22. It says in the new uh, heavens, new earth, it says in Revelation 22, verse 2, this is the new Jerusalem, the, the streets are made of gold. It says, in the midst of the street of it, on either side of the river was the what? The tree of life. Now, did that mean there were two trees of life on each side of the river? One commentary said that maybe the tree of life went into a fork and went around the tree of life, and it was found in the midst of that tree, uh, I mean, of that river. So whether there were many of them or just one, but there was a fork in the river, and the tree was found in, in that fork. We don't know. But it says, on either side of the river was the tree of life, read on, which bare 12 manner of what? Fruits. And yielded her fruit every month. So this is an amazing tree. It bears 12 kinds of fruit. I don't know about you, I have, I've seen trees bear one kind of fruit, but not 12. <laughs> and it bared a different fruit every month. But it goes on to say, and the leaves of the tree or for the healing of the what? Nations. Now, there's a concern there because this was in the, in the new state when there was no more death, no more sickness. And so what were the, the leaves, what would they heal if no one got sick? And so the word healing can be understood as health-giving. The English word therapeutic comes from this Greek word healing. It is derived from this Greek word even though there is no sickness in the eternal state, the tree's fruit and leaves seem to contribute to the physical well-being of those who eat the fruit. The leaves somehow enrich heavenly life, making it full and satisfying. So was it there to actually heal any kind of sickness? There is no sickness in the eternal state. This was after uh, uh, when Christ comes back and establishes his kingdom establishing a new heaven, new earth, there's no sickness. So basically, it's believed that basically it enhances the life they have on earth in the new bodies. <clears throat> That's the uh, tree of life. So again, who is he that overcometh? If you're saved, raise your hand. That's you. And the promise is, one day you get to partake of this tree. And the 12 men are fruits. I look forward to see what kind of fruit it has next month. <laughs> and partake of it. The third promise, it goes on to say, is that also it says that, in, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Where is the paradise of God? I'm glad you asked. And we're just about done here. First of all, the first of all, in Luke chapter 23, I believe the verse will be on the screen. Remember Jesus told the thief on the cross? When Jesus hung on the cross, he hung between two thieves. And one of them said, Lord, remember me when thou comest in thy kingdom. And what did Christ say to him? In Luke 23, 43, Jesus said unto him, Verily, verily, unto thee, today thou shalt be with me in where? Paradise. Paradise. So the day that Christ died, where did he go? Paradise. To paradise. And where was paradise at? It was in the center of the earth. And Ephesians said before he ascended, he first descended. 
and went to the heart of the earth. Well, what do you mean, Pastor? I wish I had time. Uh, before Christ died on the cross, nobody went to heaven. They went to a place called Hades in the heart of the earth, which had two compartments. One side was called a place of comfort. It was also called Abraham's bosom. The other side was called a place of torment. The believers of the Old Testament went to the place of comfort, went to paradise bosom, which was also called paradise. They remained there until Christ could come and take away their sin. Remember, the Old Testament saints were saved by faith in the coming Messiah, and, and they offered up animal sacrifices, which were an atonement for their souls. The word atonement means covering. The blood of bulls and goats would never take away sin, only cover their sin. But remember when John the Baptist saw Jesus come on the, he said, behold the what? The Lamb of God, which not covereth the sins, but taketh the sins away of the world. So when Jesus Christ died on the cross, his blood on the cross washed away the sin. He, he went, the three days he was dead, he went to the heart of the earth, got all the Old Testament saints and took them to heaven. So prior to taking them to heaven, paradise was in the heart of the earth, where Abraham was, where the, uh, Lazarus was. But where is paradise today? I'm glad you asked. We'll conclude with this. Go to 2 Corinthians, please. 2 Corinthians, it mentions paradise again. So prior to the cross, paradise was in the heart of the earth and the place of comfort where Abraham was, called Abraham's bosom, where the Lazarus went. You remember the story of Lazarus and the rich man? They could see each other, they could talk to each other, but Abraham said there's a great gulf between the two. They could not pass from one side to the other. One side was a place of comfort, one was a place of torment. And they could see each other, but they could not pass. So Jesus referred to that place in the heart of the earth where the believers were as paradise, where he took the thief on the cross with him. But notice now in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2, here Paul was talking. Verse 2, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 2. He said, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. Such a one was called up to the what? Which heaven? Third, third heaven. You say, Pastor, are there three heavens? Now, if there's a third one, there has to be a second one, doesn't there? And the second one has to be a first one. Like, please, you've heard this before, those who haven't. There are three heavens. The first heaven is the atmosphere which we breathe, where the birds fly. The second heaven is where the stars and planets are. The third heaven is the abode of God. It's where God is. Again, you've heard this before. The first heaven we see by day. Like out and see the birds flying, the clouds. The second heaven we see by night. See the stars and planets. And the third heaven we see by what? Faith. By faith by trusting Christ as Savior. So this individual, I believe, by the way, was the Apostle Paul. I believe he was talking about himself. When he was stoned, I believe he actually died and brought back to life. But he was called up to the what heaven? Third heaven. Read on verse 3. I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knows, verse 4, how that he was called up into what? Paradise. Paradise. Now, we saw in verse 2, he was called up to the third heaven, Verse 4, called it the paradise. 
and heard unspeakable words, which not lawful for a man to utter. So paradise now is where? And the third heaven where God is. So the Old Testament saints, when they died, went to paradise in the heart of the earth. But since Christ died on the cross, when we die, we go to paradise and to the, where God is. So uh, that's where paradise is and the third heaven in the presence of God. So there's the promise to them which is made to us. He that overcometh, that's the believer, shall partake of the tree of life and also be in, in, in which is in the paradise of God, which is in heaven itself. All right. Thank you. We've got to stop and wrap this up. We'll go and next time we're together. Uh, uh, next week we'll be in here. I'll be talking, teaching on the tabernacle of the Old Testament of Moses for the next six weeks. Then after that, we'll come back to Revelation and talk about the second church in Revelation beginning in verse 8, chapter 2, verse 8. Let's bow together, please. Father in heaven, we've talked about the church of Ephesus, a church you commended for doing wonderful things, but you had someone against them, one thing, and they left their first love. You did not tell us what that love is, and maybe it's different for each one of us. Maybe that's the reason you did not tell, because it's different for each one of us. But Father, what love did we once have that we no longer have that we have left? Holy Spirit of God, please bring that to our attention. Help us to understand what our love that we left is, that we might return, might repent, change our mind, and return and repeat the works that that love produced in our lives. Father, we thank you for the promise you've given to the church of Ephesus. You also give to us that he that overcometh shall partake of the uh, tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. We look forward to that day of partaking of that tree and being with you forever. In Christ's name we pray, amen.